We're continuing on in our Advent sermon series, and uh, we've been considering the prophet Isaiah, who prophesied uh, in the nation of Judah, the divided uh, nations of Israel and Judah. He was in the southern kingdom uh, about 700 years before Jesus. And we're considering his Christmas tree, which is just a uh, stump. Not a nice lit up tree, but uh, he, he envisioned this stump and stumps are ugly and they're cut off. And his vision for the nation in this line of kings is just completely cut down to nothing. Stumps, you know, the, the, the person who got these um, stumps for us found them at a, a dump and, and said, hey, can I have those? And the person was so surprised. It's like, yeah, it's just go ahead and take them. And so she lift them into her car and. Uh, clean them up for us here. And some of you have been decorating with stumps since we started this, and you've sent me pictures of it. So if you are decorating your home with stumps this year because of what we've been talking about, keep sending me those photos. But uh, but stumps in general are not a, not a pleasant image. It's an image of death and being cut off. But the beautiful thing about this stump of Jesse, as Isaiah calls it, is there's a shoot. There's growth coming out of the stump. And it's the Messiah, the coming one. The, and it's, it's it, as we understand, this is Jesus. Uh, because Isaiah said, the spirit of the Lord is going to rest on him. And when Jesus came, and John the Baptist, who was a prophet, he saw the spirit of the Lord rest on Jesus. And he said, this is the one. This is the Messiah who was to come. And this, in, in this prophecy, in Isaiah uh, chapter 11, in verse 2, it describes the character of this spirit of the Lord that is resting on Jesus. It's a spirit of wisdom and understanding. And we talked about that last week, how God's wisdom is different and greater than the wisdom of the world. And today we see that this spirit is a spirit of counsel and might. The spirit is a spirit of counsel and might. And this is why this is a big deal for us. The same spirit of the Lord that Isaiah predicted that rested on Jesus is the spirit that he leaves to us. Jesus said, I'm leaving this world. I'm leaving you, but I'm not leaving you alone. I'm not going to leave you like an orphan. My spirit, there's an advocate. The the spirit of the Lord, the the Holy Spirit is going to be with you so that I will be with you always. In that same spirit is available for us today. So this is a very uh, relevant thing for us. Uh, we are not just going through the world on our own and just trying to figure things out day in and day out. We have the very spirit of God with us, available to us, to counsel us, to empower us. But the Holy Spirit can be easily misunderstood. And central to our faith is that we believe that God is Trinity, that God is three and one. And we believe that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we can conceptualize a loving Father, even if our earthly example of Father may not be uh, a positive one. We can imagine that there is a a loving Father out there, and and picturing God like that, most people can, can grasp that. God the Son, Jesus, we can picture that. Jesus, uh, we believe, was fully human. So we can imagine a historical person who lived on this earth, and we can understand that. The Father and the Son is more concrete. But then we get to God the Holy Spirit, and it can seem a little abstract or a little, even a little weird. One way that we can... Um, that we translate the word spirit is the word ghost. So sometimes we talk about the Holy Ghost. It could seem eerie 
or even creepy and just harder to understand. And because of that, we could be prone to sort of just focus on God the Father and focus on God the Son and, and kind of push the Holy Spirit aside. Yet, it was Jesus who said that this Holy Spirit is the one who is with us. The one is, this is how we will experience God all the time to help us and to guide us and to figure out this world. And we all need that. Uh, we all, uh, we, we can try to go about life without God, but we know there's got to be more to life than this. And it's through the Holy Spirit that it all makes sense to us. So my goal today is to consider how the Holy Spirit is a spirit of counsel and a spirit of might. And let's pray as we, as we do this. So Father God, we, we do pray to you. We help us to help us in this time to understand you and understand your Holy Spirit. So we pray that your Holy Spirit would be active as we consider your word and as we consider your way. We thank you that you've not left us alone in this world, but you, you are with us. So be our teacher during this time. We pray. We give this time to you. We give ourselves to you. In the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Okay, first of all, this, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of counsel. This is the counselor or the advocate, as, uh, the, as is translated here in the Gospel of John. Uh, the, the word that's used here is uh, parakletos, the Greek word, which is a kind of a compound word, para, coming alongside, and kletos, called. This is the one who is called to come alongside, a, a helper, a counselor, an advocate. Those are all good words to describe this idea. But in what sense is the Holy Spirit counseling us? The first is through assurance. The, the Spirit counsels us to assure us that we are God's children. Look at verse 19 in the, this reading from the Gospel of John. It says, Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. And then in verse 20, on that day, you will realize that I am in my father and that you are in me and that I am in you. It is the role of the Holy Spirit to convince us that by faith that we are indeed God's children, that we do belong. Uh, in the New Testament, Romans chapter 8 puts it this way. The spirit testifies himself with our spirit that we are God's children. And it's through the Holy Spirit that we become so convinced that we are God's children. And the reason that's good news for us is that no matter how lost you ever feel, however disconnected from family, whatever sense of not belonging that you ever sense in your life, that we can be assured that we have a greater family, a deeper sense of belonging with God through his Holy Spirit. Another way that we understand the Holy Spirit as counselor is through reminders that the Holy Spirit counsels us to remember things, to bring things to our mind. Look at verse 26. It says, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. It's the Holy Spirit brings things to mind, these little promptings and reminders. I was uh, meeting with a group of middle schoolers recently, and we were, we were discussing the Holy Spirit. And we, I asked, how many of you have ever experienced that, where you just have this deep sense that God is prompting you by His Spirit, and the hands just went up? Then many of them, and many of us, have had that experience where 
uh, you're facing temptation or you're facing a decision or you're, you're just going about your day and you have this deep sense that God is prompting you and guiding you to remember uh, his way, to remember his word, to remember his love. It's all these, um, it's about ordering our, our thoughts. And we all have thoughts that are not from God when we start to have those thoughts that, you know, I'm not good enough or who do I think I am doing what I'm doing and, and just these feelings of inadequacy. And it's in those moments that the Holy Spirit reminds us, you are loved and accepted by God. Your life has meaning and purpose that God is unfolding and we just need to trust. That's the reminder. And it doesn't just remind us who we are. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 says, I keep asking that the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, might give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I also pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. It's, it's not just that I know who I am, but I know who he is. And that he's reminding me that he is in control. And because he's in control, I can have hope, even in the most desperate situation. Another way that the Holy Spirit is our counselor is through peace. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you, Jesus says. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Of all of the ways that the Holy Spirit is our counselor, this is perhaps the most practical. That we uh, can have his peace. Because our hearts, when Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled, do not be afraid, our hearts are easily troubled. And we easily face fears. Just this week, Thursday night, actually early, in the early hours of Friday morning, I woke up. And I was just anxious and afraid. And at first, I didn't even know why. And I was, um, and didn't know why I was awake. And it's this troubled heart. And I was worried for us as a church. And I, and I was uh, concerned about all things and things that we've been working on. And it, I needed God to give me his peace to remind me. I, I am at work. The Lord is reminding me, I, I am guiding you forward and that these slow steps are good. These are my steps and that God is doing good things and we're seeing them and we're following them. But in that moment, my heart was so easily troubled. And we all need these reminders. And in all these different ways, we have this Holy Spirit to counsel us everywhere we go, guiding us along. Benjamin Franklin was um, a you know, great statesman, a signer of the Declaration of Independence. You know, at the, at the birth of our country, he was um, a great diplomat in many ways, but also a brilliant mind, an inventor, a discoverer. And he was, one of his roles that is uh, less well known is that he was the postmaster general of the colonies. And he was uh, commissioned by British authorities to figure out why is it that um, ships are traveling well from the colonies back to Britain, but ships from Britain coming to the colonies often get hung up for days and even weeks. They're delayed, even though there's no adverse weather conditions. What's going on? And so he uh, did a lot of research. He was working with merchants and with fishermen and taking temperature measurements and doing a lot of research. And he discovered a warm river 
in the ocean. There's a river in the ocean, which we would call the Gulf Stream. But he was the first one to, uh, to document this and to describe it, that if you're, traveling in, in, uh, if you're traveling east and you get caught into this river in the ocean, it will push you along. And if you're trying to go against it, it's going to hold all things up. But it's available to everyone, but only some know how to get in it and to follow it. And to me, that's a beautiful image of how the Holy Spirit works, that the Holy Spirit, God has made available to us by faith. And as we get in that path, it pulls us along. And out on the surface, the weather looks the same. Uh, every, everything seems the same, but invisible underneath is pushing along in this good direction, the counsel of God in our lives, in our everyday. And that is, uh, that is the spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of counsel. But secondly here, uh, we see that it's not just a spirit of counsel, but a spirit of might. That is, it's not just a passive guiding, but it's the power to push us forward. So how is it that the Holy Spirit is a spirit of power? We know wherever we see the Holy Spirit at work, we see power. And in the Christmas story, we have uh, the announcement to Mary that she's going to be with child, that she's going to bear, uh, to bear the Messiah, to bear the Christ. And she says this in Luke 1. She says, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you, and the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. That even a virgin will give birth by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now that's an extreme example. Uh, most of you have not experienced this, I would think. The, but there are many ways which we have experienced the very power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the first, I'll give you a few examples. The first is, is uh, the power to be a witness for God. Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 8 says, You will receive power. This is Jesus speaking. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In, in Luke, earlier in, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, Jesus said, When you're brought before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. And again, in Acts chapter 4, uh, this is the disciples, after they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The point here in all these examples is that when the Holy Spirit is in someone, it gives them words to speak, and words to speak boldly about God's love, about the good news of Jesus Christ. And it just, it, it, it empowers us to be that witness. Now, uh, for some people, that's, that's not the most welcome idea. People say, well, I don't know if I want to be one of, you know, one of those kind of Christians who's always out and sharing faith and talking about God and, and pushing it on others. And you know, maybe I'd avoid that. There's a story of a young man, a young a teenage boy. He was in a, an atheist home. A friend had invited him to, to go to a church youth group and he was exploring faith in Jesus and he was interested, except he was petrified of the fact that if he came to faith, that he would somehow uh, be compelled to share it with other people. He wanted nothing to do with that. And he certainly didn't want to share any of it with his family. And it ke actually kept him from becoming a Christian. He, um, because his friend had shared faith with him, and he didn't want to be like that. 
And he was in a conversation with, a, with an older Christian. And the man said this. He said, look, in your case, God's going to make an exception for you. So you can come to faith in Jesus and you don't have to tell anybody. It'll just be a little private thing between you and God. And, and that's, uh, God's going to do that for you. And the, the young boy, he was excited about that. So he was like, this is a pretty good idea. So he went home and he knelt by his bed and he prayed and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He prayed that Jesus would be the Lord of his life. And at that very moment, he was just, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and just this overwhelming uh, sense of God's presence and joy. And he went running down the stairs and his family was all sitting there in the living room. And he said, did you know, it's amazing. You can become a Christian and you don't have to tell anyone about it. And we'll talk more about this next week. But the, the point is that as, as the Holy Spirit works in us to give us words and to give us boldness, it's not some, it, it's just a natural thing to empower us. And we've had those times when you just don't know the words to say and that God gives those words by His Spirit. Uh, also, the power that the Holy Spirit as our, uh, as our might or power is the, the power to pray. Romans chapter 8 says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us. In our weakness, we don't know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. We often think of prayer as us, as humans, formulating words and sort of praying them or giving them to God. And somehow that will get God to do something for us. That's sort of the formula for prayer. But in this sense, there are times in I'm sure you've experienced it, where you do not know what to pray. I wouldn't even know how to form the words. I wouldn't even know what to ask the God of the universe in the situation that I'm in. And it's in these times that God's spirit, prayer prayer becomes something very different where his spirit is working with our spirit, reminding us that we're his child, but helping us to communicate in a way that's not just, not just, speaking words or asking for something, uh, but the just knowing that God knows us, that we are known by God, and that he has the words for us to pray, that he is both speaking to us and that we are communicating with him spiritually, even if we don't understand or have all the words. And that's a good thing because we don't always have the words to pray. Another way that the Holy Spirit is our power is the power to change. This verse from 2 Corinthians 3. We all reflect the Lord's glory. We who all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. As we read this promise of the Holy Spirit from the Gospel of John, you'll notice a lot of the language is about obedience. It's about how to uh, remember and obey the words of Jesus, his way. And it's the Holy Spirit gives us the power to actually change, to actually obey and to follow a path that is, that is God's path, to make us more and more like Jesus. And there's these times when we feel, you know, I'm never going to change. I'm stuck in a pattern, a temptation, a relationship. I'm stuck. I cannot change. And it's the Holy Spirit of God that can genuinely bring about change in the life of the believer. 
the power to change. It's also the power to unify. Ephesians chapter 4, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We need to be unified, people who are forgiven, but also forgiving of one another. And that the Holy Spirit of God allows us to reconcile and heal broken relationships in our lives. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. So uh, the Holy Spirit is our counselor. And the Holy Spirit is our uh, might or our power. So how do we get it? And the key is right here in our text. How to experience this. Uh, But I want to say up front... There are Christians who teach that you come to faith in Jesus and then at some point in the future, some subsequent event, the Holy Spirit comes on you. Bang. And that's something you, uh, you wait for later. Uh, we don't teach that. We believe, as, as Scripture teaches, Ephesians chapter 1 particularly, that when we put our faith in Jesus, that God gives us his Holy Spirit. We put our faith in him because Jesus came to this earth And he came to seek and to save that which was lost. People who are lost and broken in sin. That's every one of us. And he he came to give his life as a ransom, as our substitute. And Jesus on the cross, he gives his life. He takes all of the punishment, all of the consequences of our sin, he takes on himself on the cross. And he dies. But he rises to new life. To give us new life and to bring us forgiveness. And he, he did that, and he accomplished it, and then he leaves this earth, but then he sends us his spirit to, again, to guide and to empower us. And as, as soon as we trust in, in his work that he accomplished on the cross, we receive this by faith. And the, the, but there is a fullness that we can experience. And one way I like to illustrate this, I, I actually, I could use a drink, a glass of milk. Oh, I've got one right here. <laughs> oh, that's good. Is that even w- with the Holy Spirit in us, that we can go about life um, w- without the power of the Holy Spirit? We can operate in our flesh or we can operate in this spirit at any given time. So I do like milk here, but you know what I really like? Chocolate milk. <laughs> Excuse me a minute. It's getting a little dry. Just a little. Uh, a little more. Okay. okay. You want it to be good and chocolatey. Now, now this is everything I, we need for chocolate milk. And you, nobody will deny the presence of the chocolate in the milk. But it tastes the same. And in the same way, anybody with the Holy Spirit can go around and it just kind of tastes and looks like the regular thing. But God... Right. You stir that up, and it's thick and rich and chocolatey. I don't want to spill. And just to be sure. That's the stuff right there. Oh, that's good. Verse 16, here's, here's the key. Here it is. Verse 16. Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you an advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. He said, I'm just going to ask. 
And Jesus also taught, he said, look, you people, even though you're evil, you could probably figure out how to give, I'm paraphrasing. Even though you're evil, you could probably figure out how to give a good gift to a child, right? You're not, child's not going to ask for um, eggs and you give them a snake or, you know, you're, you could figure out how to give a good gift to a child. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And again, as we put our faith in Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit, but we can just go around as if the Spirit didn't exist because we don't understand it or because it's um, somehow we just never ask for it. But Jesus says, I'm going to ask the Father. He's going to give it to you. So we just pray and we ask, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. May I be, may I be filled up in such a way that I would know your presence, that I would know I'm your child that I would experience your peace, that you would empower me to speak the words that I need, to remember what I need to remember, and to change my heart to know you more. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this good gift, this, your very presence with us, your Holy Spirit. And I pray that we would be a people who are filled and empowered by your Holy Spirit. That... Because your spirit is with us, every moment that we live can be holy and meaningful and significant. That there is no insignificant time, Lord. That you're not just here because we're gathered, because we're singing, but because we're in this place. But you are with us moment by moment. So that whatever we put our hands to this week at, at work, at home, that our words could be filled with your truth and your power. That our actions uh, could be those that unify and reconcile. Because God, you are the great reconciler, us to you. Because of your son, our Lord Jesus Christ. So fill us with your spirit. Empower us to be your people. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.